Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 532. This is the weekly podcast about slow flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal and local supply of flowers and foliage. This show is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free online directory to more than 880 florists, shops, and studios who design with local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers, and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor for 2021, Farm Girl Flowers. Farm Girl Flowers delivers iconic burlap wrap bouquets and lush, abundant arrangements to customers across the U.S., supporting more than 20 U.S. flower farms by purchasing more than $9 million of U.S.-grown fresh and seasonal flowers and foliage annually. Discover more at farmgirlflowers.com. Our next sponsor thanks goes to the Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliage, and plants. The Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top-quality products and services to the local floral industry. Visit them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. Thank you so much for joining us today. Why is it that we're supposedly moving into our quieter, perhaps dormant season, but we are doing everything but resting? I don't think I'm alone in this feeling, and I wanted to discuss it with you and bring today's guest into the conversation. Please meet Sarah Wagstaff of Suat Farm and Flowers, based in Burlington, which is located in Washington State's Skagit County, about halfway between Seattle and the U.S.-Canadian border. Suat Farm and Flowers is home to freshly hand-picked flowers and foliage. It's a no-till urban farm in the hub of Skagit Valley and includes a Hugel Culture Demonstration Garden, an educational workspace, and a floral studio. Suat, S-U-O-T, stands for Small Units of Time. I love that. Because as Sarah says, we know that we aren't able to accomplish everything we want to in one day, but little by little, we will get there together. Since 2015, Suat Farm and Flowers has been committed to providing customers with the freshest flowers, local bouquets, and unique arrangements with 100% locally grown Washington botanicals. As an urban microflower farmer and farmer florist, Sarah goes above and beyond for her customers to ensure that they know their purchases support a sustainable, local, woman-owned business. Let's jump right in and meet Sarah coming us today from her studio, and you'll enjoy watching as she makes a garland while we're talking. Coming up for the holidays already. Okay, let's get started. Hi, everybody. Hello again. Let's jump right in and welcome Sarah Wagstaff coming to us live from her studio. Hi, Sarah. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. This is great. Thanks for coming into my space. Yeah, I love the virtual visit. And um, Sarah, uh, it, I've been to this studio. I my, brought my mother. We came to a succulent pumpkin workshop about a year ago, and it's such a cool space. Um, you. Can you just give us a little tour, and then we'll talk about uh, how it came to be? Sure. 
So I've got about 400 square feet here. I think I can turn the camera and show you a little bit if you like. Yeah. Got my workbench that I'm at right now, I'm just working on a garland and uh, some wreaths. And then I've got a, let's see, which way does it go? Full retail space, this direction. <laughs> There's the main entry there. Wow, yeah. That's so pretty. So much light coming in. Oh, I've got tons of huge windows. Yeah. We've got a bold sale going on right now. We've got tulips and ranunculus and daffodils. And then it's whitewashed right now, but that is all my vessels and vases. And I don't know if the camera will turn that way. Let me turn you back the other direction. I've got lots of wreaths for sale, a bunch of dry product. And And your workspace. uh, Yeah. the, The shop keeps going. So. We've got tons of space here, lots of things for sale, lots of gift uh, items. and uh, It's so interesting because you're not a, re- you, you call it a retail space, but you're not like regular retail hours, right? And is it sort of by appointment only? Nope. We're open every Friday, all day, 930 to 5, and every Saturday, 930 to 4. Oh, okay. So you've kind of trained your customers that that's a good time to come see what, what's available. Yeah. And it- During the middle of the week, we're planting and weeding and harvesting and delivering and we take orders um, every day of the week. And so we're out either cutting for those or delivering for those. And um, you can order anytime online and we'll get your order to you as soon as we can. Great. Well, we'll share We'll share the website uh, in our show notes when this appears next week uh, as uh, the podcast at DebraPrincing.com where people can just uh, look for you right now online. Um, this space that you're in, Sarah, really was a game changer. And I want to kind of talk about all the things that you have done and are doing to continually like improve and build and grow and develop your business. Because um, I think you've changed a lot since we first met, and we'll talk about that. But give us a snapshot of how you describe Suat uh, Farm and Flowers now. And um, you mentioned some of the services. So um, you're pretty full service. <laughs> you don't say no to much. Well, we grow a lot of flowers, so we want to get those into people's lives however we can. I think it's so important to connect with nature. I find so much solace in reminding myself, like, I'm this tiny drop in the larger bucket. And um, some might feel like that doesn't really matter, but if there weren't any drops, the bucket would be empty. And so my my drop matters, and so does yours. And when we connect with something that's way bigger than ourselves, it feels good and fulfilling and meaningful. And so... Plants do that and flowers do that. And so we grow a lot of them. We, I want to get them to more people. <laughs> so we, um, that's how, that's what we try to do. We, any way we can, we try to get them into people's lives, either through like ceremony and ritual. You know, a lot of people um, love to bring plants and flowers into their special days, like their weddings or their, um, you know, death services or birth announcements. And so um, we try to accommodate that and be there for those special days, birthdays and just because days. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you, um, when you started growing flowers, did you think that you were going to do more design, a more design driven business and, uh, go in that route or did that kind of happen organically? It always interests me because I thought it was a skill that I didn't have. And so I was really curious about it and wanted to learn more. And as I've learned more, I realize I enjoy it more. And then I like to teach it to other people because I, I find it really gratifying and fulfilling. And so, um, it's kind of been multifaceted in that yeah. way of like the things that I enjoy. I know that other people will enjoy that. So that's sure. Well, the growing is so fulfilling. And then to see how what you've grown is 
you know, displayed or shared or enjoyed is sort of the added part that some flower farmers don't necessarily get to experience because they're just, you know, growing great product and selling it and then it goes away. So you're kind of capture you're, you're keeping a hold on it. <laughs> exactly. That's my favorite part is watching the person connect with them because you just see their eyes light up. And for me, like it's such, it feels so wonderful to gift something to someone and everyone is deserving of that and everyone deserves to feel good. And so yeah. if we can help facilitate that, I love that moment when they realize in themselves that they're worthy of that. Well, you're um, act very active in your community and Burlington for people like me from Seattle, I think, Oh, that's rural, but you really are in a city. <laughs> What's the population of Burlington? Great question. It's probably like 50,000 or something, right? I don't know. Oh, I think way less than that. Oh, okay. <laughs> But it's a city. It's a city. It's, that, oh, it's a totally a proper city. And yeah. we're close to Mount Vernon, Washington. And um, we're known, this area is known for uh, its agriculture. The Skagit Valley is definitely known as a as a hub for all different types of crops, like yeah. um, bulb crops and seed crops and all kinds of grains. And so we grow a lot of amazing things here. There's There are a growing number of people. Um, it's a cool little spot. I feel like it's in between two giant cities, Vancouver and Seattle. And so yeah. we get a good mix, but we still have a ton of natural wild open spaces, which yeah. feels but good. The reason, the reason I brought that up is because your studio is in the like a little mini commercial district. And so you get, you get customers driving by and, and curious to know about what's going on yeah. behind the fence. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. We're right on the highway 20, which is like we're Burlington's called hub city because it's the I five corridor North and South and the highway 20 East and West. So if you head West, it goes to the ocean. If you head East, it takes you to a national park. We're kind of right in the center of that. Right. Just right. Beautiful zone to be in. Yeah. Beautiful. So we do get a bit of traffic on our road. <laughs> and well, trains. <laughs> yes. Trains, trains for sure. But you have this, um, frontage and a big fence and people may recognize, um, that Sarah has, um, use that fence as her own botanical billboard, uh, especially in 2020. She had a big Black Lives Matter botanical message. You spelled out BLM in flowers, right? Correct, yeah. And then and we did another one following up in October that said vote. <laughs> yes, the vote one. We, In fact, I think I talked to you on the podcast about that, and um, I'll share those photos with people so they can see it. So you're not, you know, you're not hiding behind that fence. You're, you're using it to just you know, create community and, and support causes you care about. And, um, right. the fence and, is only to keep the deer out, not the people. <laughs> right. Right. But you don't farm there. So talk about where you're farming and, um, you know, what you, in a way having, it, it's a model that would work for a lot of farmers. You have the agriculture land, but then you have a place that connects with customers. They may not be the same necessarily. Sure. So we're a micro urban farm. So I live just a couple blocks from the shop. So I live in a busy street area as well. And um, we do grow a little bit here. We have a few thousand bulbs that we planted in a number of just ornamental shrubs. So it looks beautiful as you walk to the shop. And um, we live just a couple blocks from here in a you know very public space. And we have just half of an acre. So we grow on that. And um, crank out a number of different crops, flowers, foliage, trees, shrubs, vines, seed pods. Um, That's so we neat. try to find the beauty in a, a bunch of different things and cultivate them in different seasons. So, And so though, and then you said you leased another half an acre somewhere else, right? 
We do. Yeah. We lease half of an acre of just flat farmland from a friend of ours. And, um, that has totally different conditions. It's wide open, full sun, full wind. So it's, um, the plants have to be a lot hardier to be out there. Like, what are you growing there? Whatever will survive. <laughs> like, is it more like uh, a- annual field crops or? No, I do almost all perennials. I hardly do any annuals at all. So I've got a ton of peonies out there and a bunch of roses, um, some trees and shrubs and um, lots of mint, lots of oregano, um, just a bunch of different perennials. Let's see. We've got Russian sage and um, I was doing a couple annuals this year. I did a bunch of straw flower and some ornamental corn. Just like experimental plugging in, filling yeah. in holes and gaps. Yeah, yeah. Um, because you're not really interested in having, um, you know, a, a lot, a lot of a big quantity of of a single variety. You want to have multiples of everything because of the way your aesthetic is. You're growing for your designs, right? Yeah, and as we um, become more and more established, I'm bulking up quantities of things that I know I enjoyed growing that I know that people enjoy receiving and um, giving, and then we sell wholesale. So we um, intend to bulk up and focus on, you know, our favorite crops more and more. We recently have an exciting news to announce. We just purchased 66 acres of farmland in Skagit. We're so happy that we could have a little bit more space to steward. That's awesome. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. We are so excited. So, 66 acres, though, for one little family of three. How are you going to do that? <laughs> so we, you know, it takes a village, as they say. We definitely are not doing it alone. We um, we have so many connections and help and um, different ideas for the property. So a big portion of it is in a conservation easement, which means it's just going to stay wild and natural and can't be developed, which is perfect. We love that was that that part of the the purchase deal the seller had it in the easement already right yeah for a number of years it's been in a conservation easement so it's pretty awesome and wild and it's an amazing birding spot there's so much wildlife and it can never be developed and so that was a huge selling point for us which might not be for um some people but we love having that access to the earth and being able to provide that to others and allow people to experience what it's like to be in nature and to have a space that's just doing its thing. It doesn't need miracle grow. It doesn't need to be changed or plowed or anything. Yeah. So you're, and you're a unique buyer who saw the value in that because I'm sure, you know, the development, the developers of the world would, would want to just raise it and put in a subdivision. Yeah. Yeah. My husband is a builder. And so we have kind of both ends of the spectrum where um, we really love natural and wild spaces and we want to preserve farmland. So if we can figure out a way to provide enough housing for people that live here and and provide adequate access to space, that's really our sweet spot. And so we feel like we found that and we are so excited about this new place. We spend as much time out there as we can. And um, yeah, it will be, I think, a gathering place for people. We've had so many interested people come out and just share it with us already and go on hikes and find quince trees and picked fruit. And um, yeah, we have a friend grazing their sheep on a portion right now. We have another friend that's um, starting a weed eradication business and using part of our barn to store things. So we, we really hope that many people can use this land that it won't just, it wow. won't just be doing 66 acres. That's not sustainable. We are 
where is it? Small units of time. <laughs> you mentioned the barn. So there's no residence there right now. Is it, you're not going to live there. Well, we hope to, but there is no residence yet. So um, in the plans is to build a home that we will live in on site. Yeah. And, and that's when we will move a bunch more crops there and um, start, start um, our stewardship in, in practice, not just yeah. in, in ideal. So, yeah. That's wonderful. I'm so happy for you. It's taking on it's taking on a lot. But when I talked about how we're not, uh, I'm I know I'm not feeling uh, like I'm going into my like winter's nap right now because you know daylight savings time just happened and uh, I haven't had my first frost, but a lot of people have. But I think that the reason that I'm not feeling it is I keep adding new projects that I want to do, and I think that, that you're the same way. Like. Okay, we've we've maxed out our land. We've maxed out our studio. We want to have you know more more of a, a rural life. Where can we do it? And and you you guys, how long did you hunt for that that property? Oh, we've always kind of been looking. Um, I thought you know no more than three or four or five acres. That's great. I don't I don't need to own all the land. And there's no way that, that only my ideas are the best ideas for stewarding. There's so many different ways of of growing and living with the land. And so um, we were looking for something much closer to town. I wouldn't call myself a city folk, but I really like people. <laughs> You're very and, social. Yeah. So um, when this came up, I was like, oh, I mean, I will look at it. But 66 acres, that seems like a bit much. And we went to it. And the minute we got out, I looked around and just nodded and said, yeah, yeah, I love this place. It is stunning the views were what sold me and it just felt so good and it's been interesting the longer we've only owned it a few months but um stories have been coming out of the woodworks of different people that have lived on the property over the years or oh my grandfather did this and that and we grew up as kids running around there and it's just felt like it's a home for so many people and creatures so what, well, how good. far is it from where you are and like in what direction it's like six minutes. It's not far. It's in Burlington proper. It's still in town. It's, um, yeah, it's very close. The view from the new property looks actually basically at where we live right now. So okay. it's kind of cool to see. Oh, I love it. Oh, yeah. I'm so happy. I can't wait to visit it. Oh, it's stunning. Please come. I was reminiscing with you about how we met and I'm just going to tell the story and then ask you to tell us your path to flowers. Um, I asked you how old your son was. You said he's seven. Just about. Oh almost seven huck and um your mother-in-law dawn chaplin is an old friend of mine i mean she's a young person but a dear a dear, <laughs> dear long time friend we were involved in the northwest horticultural society together for years and i had so many wonderful visits to dawn and and um your late father-in-law david and uh, i remember sitting in the living room um seven years ago one evening with her as we were on our way to some horticulture event and she said oh yeah my daughter-in-law is going to start growing flowers i have to i'll have to introduce you and then uh i was like yeah i want to know about her and i think we e you she e introduced us or something and then you guys came to this very first slow flower summit together in 2017 yeah. and yeah. you were all in by then so oh, yeah <laughs> so tell me like you started as a veggie grower right yeah, I just really thought food was important, right, as we all do, and um, didn't really know much about flowers, but um, 
I ha had an interest in growing all different types of things and flowers are very beautiful, but you couldn't eat them. And so I thought, oh, there's a place for that, but maybe later. <clears throat> and um, I heard about Diane Sukhavati and she was doing this really cool class and she toured people around different flower farms and she gave a ton of instruction and we went to Janet Foss's farm and we went to Ojeda farm oh, and yeah. we saw Jello Mold's farm and a number of different places. And I thought, man, this is really cool. I, I really like this a lot, but I just, I didn't have the confidence in myself that I, I could do it. I felt like imposter syndrome and, oh, you know, that's, I'm just small potatoes. And so I, you know, grew a couple things here and there, but just felt too embarrassed to show it off. And then one day the growers market, Seattle Wholesale Growers Market said they have a, um, a interested farmer's day. So if you want to come and introduce yourself and see what we do at the farmer's market or the flower market, come on over. So I took my kid in the stroller, <laughs> went there, felt really embarrassed. And then I got there and looked around and I was like, I grow that, I grow that, I grow that, I grow that. And <clears throat> they don't have it here. I wow. think I might apply. And so I applied and brought stuff just as a sample the next week. And she wrote me a check for a few hundred dollars. And I was like, that was a sample. I didn't know you were going to sell it. Okay. Well, maybe I could do this. And so I started in earnest trying to do this. And little by little by little, I, I've been trying to do it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So uh, you obviously have a great growing skills. You, were you growing? You were growing and selling at the uh, vegetables at the uh, local market in, in Mount Vernon, right? Yeah, I've done, I started a farmer's market in Alaska before we moved here. And then when we moved here, um, I was farming with a friend of mine doing poultry he did oh. vegetables and then I did herbs on the side and um, that got more and more into flowers and less into poultry as I was growing another human. And so um, I sold at the farmer's market in Mount Vernon and helped out with his farm. And then um, after I had a kiddo, I said, I can't do the, both things all the time. And so he leases, that's my other half acre that we lease is from that farmer. He said, this oh. is weird truck or a weird chunk for my tractor to move around if you're not using a tractor that would be perfect for you to grow flowers and I said awesome so I've been at that plot for five years now wow yeah so you're I brought that all up because you are really integrated into the just the local farming community especially with smaller scale I'm assuming mostly organic farmers who are kind of the new generation of farmers in in your area where there are some large corporate farms, there's, there's big ag, um, Oh, sure. In the air, in the region as well. Right. Yeah. I think it's a great mix. There's some small, some large, some conventional, some organic. There's a huge mix in Skagit and there's room for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. hopefully with the, with the legislature and the building codes, we can keep farmland, preserve the farmland and allow space for people to live. I think that's the, the that's sweet really, spot. that's really important. I love that. We've been watching you make this beautiful garland, and um, this is like you do this so effortless, effortlessly, Sarah. <laughs> maybe you can. The plants just want to do it. Themselves. Yeah, maybe you can uh, show us what ingredients you're using and talk a little bit about the process because it's just oh, sure. uh, it's so pretty. I want it for my dining oh. table. <laughs> oh, thank you. So this is just um, western red cedar. It's from the tree right outside our shop. Actually, I needed to prune a branch or five. <laughs> So I'm going to reuse those and um, nothing goes like to waste. Yeah, I don't like things to go to waste, especially if the plant has spent so much energy 
to grow. I want to honor that and um, kind of pay a tribute to that. This is some boxwood that is at one of the rental properties that we manage. And so I needed to prune that and get it tidied up for the next renter. So I thought, oh, I'll grab some of those. I love the contrast and texture and color. Yeah. Um, it kind of shimmers as well. And then um, another native plant like the cedar is this, uh, West. sorry, not Western, just sword fern. Yeah. Um, I cut it up into bits where this is like the tip. Ooh, where's the camera there? Yeah. And then I cut it up to use the center and then use the bottom. And so once it goes into the garland, all kind of, you can see the texture in the brown and the curling as it dries. So it doesn't matter if it's the tip or the, the center. And that's just it. I'm just doing a real simple, all greens one, varying a couple different things. And I, um, I like things to be compostable after. So I'm just using a regular twine that's not coated with anything. And I just make like, I'll show you. A little bundle in my hand, just with the small bits, crisscrossing, yep. kind of make a fan shape. <clears throat> I lay one of my ferns across and then grab a little bit of boxwood Box, like that. Yeah. Layer it over the top and then just give the stems a little hug. Snug them up like that by just winding them. And then as you go, they oh my all gosh, that's fabulous. connect together and it can drape or... Um, lay across the table or be hung over a mantle or a doorway entryway, something like that. You know, I've seen so many evergreen garlands, uh, but I've not really seen people put in the uh, sword fern, but it's, it's really cool to have the back, the, the contrast of the spores that are going to be more coppery uh, on the I back. Love, I love how it dries. It dries naturally so beautifully. It curls oh in some of them like, curl to the side. They just, I sell this to the wholesaler and to local floors, but they dry so beautifully. I love them. Yeah. I worked on a project a couple years ago where I spray painted a bunch. So that was kind of fun. They hold paint really well. We want to make it colorful for 4th of July and American Girl. <laughs> um, oh my yeah. gosh. We, we'll have we'll to talk about that. There's so much going on in the anti-spray world. And my, my philosophy is if we could just figure out how to get a uh, non-aerosol water-based spray paint that would completely be, you know, fine in the landfills. Um, anyway, I'm, I've got some ideas, but I don't think this it's marketable on a commercial level, but I think for artisans, it would be so easy to do just, yeah. you know, just get a, a, a mist sprayer and use that, uh, to apply color. I but wonder I if, I wonder if the, um, hairsprays, you know, hairspray where you yeah. put in a color for an event or something like that. I wonder, since those are safe for bodies, I wonder if those are um, water soluble and oh, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. I don't we'll know. See. But I like the natural that you're doing. And um, you have, because you have the farm stand, you said you're going to just um, use it to decorate the farm stand, but uh, eventually someone's going to want to uh, order one or purchase this one. Yeah, definitely. I'm hosting a workshop coming up. I think it's the... Saturday after Thanksgiving, so not Black Friday, but the day after, um, before people are traveling back to wherever they're headed, we're going to do an in-person garland workshop. So I will have tons of greenery, dried product, fresh product, um, and I'll show you how to do this and we can make one in person and That's pick awesome. whatever link you want. And um, how many people can you accommodate? And I think you, when I was there with my mom, maybe there were only four students, but it was a year ago and, and a little bit more concern about social distancing because no one was vaccinated. 
Yeah, I still feel like I want to keep people safe as my utmost priority and have fun a little bit, but mostly safe. <laughs> and so um, I can accommodate up to six in this space if we are to be outside maybe a little more. But I think I really like that personal connection and the the um, FaceTime that we get with each other and, you know, meaningful. Oh. It, so. it, I mean, the space is very cozy and of like being in a cottage. It's you want to look at everything on display. And so it's hard to focus on your craft project <laughs> because you're selling things from um, like you said, you have the bulbs, you have um, some artisan pieces from local um, vendors. Right. Or yes. you're curating. Yeah. Things yeah. Like I have a number of different things from all women makers and um, we sell soaps and jewelry and paper products and uh, hard goods. We have a lot of different things that are great for gifting or that have some tie into the plant and natural world. Um, some smudge sticks and some things for ritual. Yeah. I started a little funny ritual where I call it my midday murder. I make myself an afternoon cup of tea and then pour out the rest of the boiling water on my weeds in my driveway. And so I started, <laughs> I, I started Labeling that as my midday murder and encouraging anyone to murder along with me, and it's catching. So I've started carrying, um, started carrying some tea kettles and some mugs. <laughs> um, so what is the hashtag midday murder? I love it. Yes, where's the camera? I can't. Yeah, it. it works. Midday murder club. Yep, hashtag midday murder or midday murder club. We've got a number of members, and it's just funny and silly, and a good chance to kind of. Reset and check in with yourself and check in with the day and check in with the weather and talking about slowing down it even just for two minutes to sit and warm yourself with a whatever you're drinking, coffee, tea, warm beverage, cocoa. Um, and just remember you're important. What's happening today? It's going to be okay. Do some murder. <laughs> and then just get rid of those weeds yeah, in, a, exactly. in a safe way that's not poisoning the earth. Oh. And it's immediately safe for animals and for pets to walk on. You can do it in rain or cold or wet or dry or sunny, middle of the night, whatever you want. <laughs> I'm never going to look at a teapot again in, 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 in any new any way now going forward without well, thinking we of... Some, we have some really cute ones in the shop. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, well, we are getting together uh, with a couple other people very soon to co-present at the uh, Washington... T Tilth Organic Farming Conference. And I just want to thank you for saying you'll be part of that. Oh, and um, yeah, and just we could just let's wrap up by talking about um, our goals for that. Um, Tilth is a large organic farming organization across the state of Washington. I think it's called the Washington Tilth Alliance. Um, and we realized that when we were invited to, you know, to submit a proposal, I, I know I realized like this is very food based or, you know, food and maybe livestock um, because that's what people, you know, that's a big population of farmers that are being served by that organization. So there's a, a, a track called new markets and I'm like, we got to talk about flowers. We have to show up. So thanks for saying you'll be part of that. I think you'll inspire people because you did come from food farming. Yeah. And it's funny that it's a new market because everyone's got to eat. But everyone also has to feel good. And we forget that that's a need. It's not new. It's always. But it's newly resurging that people matter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> our, our feelings and how we relate to things matter. So I think it's awesome. And flowers help with that. They make people feel good. And they connect us back to the earth, which such a good, good reminder. I think the farmers that will be there and the participants are just going to gonna love it <laughs> yeah i i agree but i and i think that all there are 
there are people who have to be kind of tricked into doing the right thing. And so, you know, if we talk about the business aspect of building your, you know, far, your family farm or diversifying, and if, you know, if you get somebody interested in growing flowers, even just purely for the, you know, like the profit motive, hopefully they'll get hooked and then they'll start the that that sort of human health, mental wellness benefit will come. Um, but we might have yeah, to like trick them into they've it. They've got to have a why for sure. Yeah. But I think that goes with anything. Yeah. Wow. Well, um, I just, I just think that you're kind of the poster child for trying everything once and uh, seeing what works. And then, you know, I think along the way in the, what, maybe seven, eight years since you've been, when did you actually form SUAT? In January of 16, I started okay. in 15 and then thought, actually, this is a business. I need to be official. So yeah, in yeah. So six, seven years ago, you've, um, you've, you know, had lots of channels that you've sold through. Some you've discarded, like, you know, far, you don't sell at the farmer's market anymore. Um, correct? No. And with COVID and with all the things, it's, I think, <clears throat> I think we are uh, still learning what is best for the farm as we always have to, you know, and figure out what things work for us and work for our family and work for the community. But I also think that as we have established ourselves in the community, we are open to those collaborations and partnering with people. So we plan to keep expanding and to keep growing in our stewardship of the earth and, and hopefully getting more flowers out to more people. So. Yeah, and you are doing some fun collaborations. And I think having a space that, like we're seeing you in allows you to um, bring in other, um, you know, other instructors or to partner with organizations for, um, you know, special events. And it's just become this versatile hub for flowers in Burlington. So, um, you know, it's, it's, doing, yeah. it's doing what you wanted it to do. And I love that. Yes. Well, small units of time, you'll get there no matter what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I think about that so often. That. It's, it's, it's such a, a freeing concept, Sarah, like, okay, daunting project, just break it down into like little chunks. And uh, I just, I don't know where that philosophy came from, but um, you've adopted it quite beautifully. Yeah, you can't do it all. Nobody can. So that's an unrealistic expectation. If we can let that go and say, but what can I do? What can I do for five minutes? Get that done. Okay, what about the next five minutes? What about the next five minutes? And then break that down into, at the end of the week, you're like, hot damn, I did a lot. <laughs> and that's good. It's, that's perfect. That's good enough. It doesn't have to be what somebody else is doing. It doesn't have to be right. um, everything on the list. It's enough. And we do a lot in the day and the week. And so yeah. if we can do it all together and help each other and cheer each other on, and we're going to go. We're going to go places. <laughs> oh, what a wonderful sentiment to end on. Sarah, thank you so much. I love watching this garland come to life. You're inspiring me to just go pick up all the branches that fell down in the storm yesterday and make a mini garland for my uh, dining table because my neighbor's yeah. cedars are all over my backyard now. And, there you um, go. I think I'm going to uh, emulate your method, and um, but you make it look effortless. So thanks for sharing a little DIY, too. <laughs> I was talking with my employee yesterday and we say, do your best, mulch the rest. Just put a little dirt on that and it'll grow something more beautiful than you imagined. That's a t-shirt and a mug. <laughs> well, I will see you very soon um, yes. in um, Linwood, Washington on the 20th. I think the 
today might be the last day that they're selling registration, but we'll, we're going to try to videotape our presentation and share it with others. So um, thanks for joining me and, and in just telling the Suat story and um, inspiring, hopefully, our, uh, a number of people to break it down to small units of time and, um, you know, think about how to communicate, connect with your community. You're doing that so beautifully. And I'm just so glad to uh, yeah. have you part of the, the Slow Flowers community, too. No, oh, thank you so much. We are so glad to have this larger support network that helps us out. Great. Okay, take good care. Thanks so much. Hi, Deborah. Bye bye. Thanks so much for joining us today. Be sure to check the links to Sarah's website for Suat Farm and Flowers. I'll have it in our show notes for episode 532 at deborahprinzing.com. She's just posted some harvest and holiday workshops coming up in her Burlington studio, including in-person garland and wreath-making sessions later this month and in early December. You can also order her signature 12-ounce white ceramic mug with the black logo that reads Midday Murder Club. Of course, a little tongue-in-cheek, but Sarah encourages her friends and customers to join the Midday Murder Club. Make yourself a cup of tea, then take the rest of the boiling water outside, pour it in some weeds, and channel your murderous death, kill, die thoughts to the weeds and not to your family, spouse, co-workers, or kids. <laughs> Again, I said it's tongue-in-cheek. Uh, plus, you'll be able to watch the replay video of today's show along with the downloadable podcast link which you can find at episode 532, com. Our next sponsor, thanks, goes to Longfield Gardens, which provides home gardeners with high-quality flower bulbs and perennials. Their online store offers plants for every region and every season, from tulips and daffodils to dahlias, caladiums, and amaryllis. Check out the full catalog at Longfield Gardens. That's longfield-gardens.com. And by the way, a huge box of bulbs just landed on my doorstep today. I took advantage of the end-of-season 30% off sale for fall-planted bulbs, so you want to check that out. I have a couple program notes to mention before we close. On, uh, let's see, last Friday, November 12th, we hosted the monthly Slow Flowers member virtual meetup. And the topic was all about flower co-ops and wholesale flower hubs, featuring several members, including our two featured presenters, Connie Homerick of Ohio Cut Flower Collective and Patty Dole of Garden State Flower Cooperative. If you missed the meetup, check out our episode 532 show notes and we will post the replay video there. It is filled with lots of education and inspiration. Our show notes at deborahprinzing.com also includes the link to our just released Slow Flowers annual member survey, which we're running through December 3rd. Please take the time to share your feedback and insights, which will be very valuable as we plan for 2022 programs, content, and resources for you, the Slow Flowers community. Our final sponsor thanks goes to Rooted Farmers. Rooted Farmers works exclusively with local growers, to put the highest quality specialty cut flowers in floral customers' hands. When you partner with Rooted Farmers, you are investing in your community and you can expect a commitment to excellence in return. Learn more at rootedfarmers.com. 
Thanks so much for joining us today. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 780,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much as our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of our domestic cut flower industry. The momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. The Slow Flowers podcast is a member-supported endeavor, and I value our loyal members and supporters. If you're new to our weekly show and our long-running podcast, check out all of our resources at slowflowerssociety.com and consider joining or making a donation to sustain our ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the buttons to donate in the column to the right at deborahprinzing.com or hop over to slowflowerssociety.com to join us as a member. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers Show and the Slow Flowers Podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more slow flowers on the table, one stem, one vase at a time. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. You can learn more about Andrew's work at soundbodymovement.com. Thank you.